Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. All right. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm your host here as always. And today I have the honor of welcoming Renee Decker to the show. She provides trusted legal advice and counsel to Florida families seeking to stay out of court and out of conflict with a focus in estates, special needs planning, guardianship, and injury law. Renee, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So let's jump in. You have kind of an interesting background. Maybe take me through how you got where you are today. Yeah. So I graduated law school in 2004 and knew I wanted to be an estate planning attorney, but uh, had a circuitous way of getting there because, um, as you know, that was right before the the market crashed. And um, yeah, so so did a lot of work for large law firms and doing work for large law firms. It was great. Met some great mentors, worked with some great attorneys, but always felt like there was something that could be done a little bit differently for estate planning. Maybe not so much document focused, which is important. We all need documents, um, but really doing some other things with families to make sure that they had some protections in place and that, you know, the plan was going to actually work when uh, the family needed it to work. So mm-hmm. I uh, met my mentor, um, who's Allie Katz. So you, you, uh, some of you may have heard of her. And so started doing estate planning a little bit of a different way and opened up my own firm and my own practice. And so, yeah, now I, I get to help families put together those documents that protect them but also uh, take the steps that are necessary after those documents are put in place to make sure that those plans work for their families when they need them to. Okay. Yeah. Implementation is good, but you also have to have the follow through and get it to the end. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So I'm, I'm curious though, is there anything that you wish you knew when you started out that you know now? Uh, say you could go back in time and talk to the younger you. Is maybe, there maybe some advice that you would give the younger Renee? Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be to understand that most people really do need some counseling in this area. You know, there's a a lot of people that that I work with who are really successful people and have done great um, in whatever it is that they're doing. But, you know, they need some counseling in terms of like, you know, who do they have to leave their assets to? How do they have to leave them? Who do they feel obligated to support? Who do they want to support? And I think, you know, starting out as a, as a new attorney and even for years, you know, you kind of feel weird about getting into those questions with people or you kind of feel uncomfortable about doing that. And if I could go back, I would say to myself, you know, you're, you're really doing a, a disservice to those people if you don't mm-hmm. um, kind of push them a little bit and, and ask the uncomfortable questions because, you know, there's lots of things we can do and lots of ways we can leave family members knowing, you know, your values and, and what you believe in. In order to do that, we got to get a little bit a little bit deeper and, you know, ask some of the questions that are sometimes emotionally difficult to answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like how you said that. That's where real progress takes place. Even though they're uncomfortable, they are. There's a book that's um, 
been written called Critical Conversations, where it talks about that, where, you know, high stakes, lots on the line, emotions might run high, but you still have to be able to have those because that's when you get the best results out of what you're trying to, uh, what you're trying to plan for. Okay. So how did you decide then on the areas of focus for your practice? Was there a life event? Was it just that you happened in that, you know, into that area when you first started out? How did you come to hone in on, on those areas of focus? Yeah. So like I said, it was always an area of interest for me, but actually didn't start practicing estate planning at all. I was doing creditors' rights litigation uh, mm-hmm. because of the time I graduated law school and what was going on in the market. But working at the large law firm, there was a need for an estate planning attorney. And I, I sort of had a tax LLM. And so a couple of things happened for me. I, I you know, started taking advantage of that tax LLM a little bit. And then I um, had some a family member in, in my family that passed away and had some problems um, in our family because of what happened and really just saw the need that people um, had for great estate planning attorneys that would get into some of these difficult questions with people and that would take the time to make sure the plans are actually implemented. And so I really just thought, you know, well, I could be, where can I be the best service, you know, using my skills and my degree and decided that I would go into, go into doing this full time. All right. I like it. Okay. So are there some big fears or concerns that you commonly encounter with clients when you first start working with them? Yeah, big fears and concerns. One of the biggest ones that I face, um, it's funny that you asked that because I just had a client this morning that we had to talk through this about was, what are people going to think about me if I leave my stuff the way I want to, or if I name certain people as you know having primary roles in the uh, administration process and I don't name other people? And so those are the really big kind of emotional questions that we have to get um, past and kind of sort of start to reframe the thinking a little bit about, um, you know, especially, you know, some of those roles, you know, some, sometimes you, you don't understand how big of a favor you're doing to your family by nominating certain people instead of others, despite what you think, you know, feelings might be about that. And then, you know, the other part of it is how you leave your assets. You might be a little bit worried that people are going to get upset about that, but it really is sort of like your last big way of making a statement about what you believe in and what your values are. And so, you know, it's important that clients uh, get past that and start to, you know, take that seriously and and really realize what they're doing uh, when they leave their stuff behind, which is not just passing down belongings, but, you know, saying a lot about what they value and what they want their legacy to be. Yeah, and you probably find this to be true. Sometimes people don't even know or aren't really sure what it is they value, and they're not able to recognize when the choices that they might be making don't actually align with what their values are. Yeah, exactly. So you said this is important to me, but yet this decision that you're about to make about how you're doing this estate plan doesn't seem to line up with what you said was important. And we all do this, but we don't, we think other people have problems, right? We think we got all of our stuff in order. I, you know, (laughs) I'm completely logical and I, I never make any decisions based on emotion. So that's what I find interesting is it's helping people to discover one, what really are your values? And then second, let's make sure that your choices are in alignment with those. So then the outcome is what you want it to be. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's an educational process on two fronts, right? It's like one, well, what can I do? How can I leave things? How can that go? And then two, you know, just educating people, like you said, about does your what you're doing actually align with your goals? So we got to do this discovery process sometimes about what do you believe and what are your goals for leaving your assets behind? And, and, you know, that requires us sometimes to do a little bit deeper thinking than what we've done in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's so worth it for the clients that are willing to go down that thought process and that path of thinking it all through really do feel great about, you know, what, what they've yeah. done and what they've left behind and how they've done it. And it's right. really just a way to get over the anxiety of what are people going to think about me if I do things this way to thinking about, well, like, rather than a passive thought process in that, like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to offend somebody is no, I'm intentionally making this choice because I want people to see my values as this. So now I'm, I'm not playing the defensive here. I'm going on offense and saying, this is how I want you to remember me and like, mm-hmm. how I want you to think about my values. Okay. So maybe describe what you consider to be an ideal client for you. Yeah. So an ideal client for me is anyone who is sort of struggling with the same things I'm struggling with because I I feel like I can really connect and help them. So that would be somebody who has young kids at home. And so they're planning. They want to make sure they're doing the right thing for their young kids. And then also who is looking to support, you know, their parents or, you know, their in-laws or, you know, the older generation that might be relying on them a little bit right now, either, you know, emotionally or or for, you know, support through healthcare issues and all that. Okay. Fantastic. And Maybe let's jump into some of what you've described as being your specialty areas. So broadly defined, um, maybe go through for us what is special needs planning and what are the unique kind of considerations around that space? Yeah. So special needs planning has to do with anyone who we're thinking about may need um, assistance for long term because that person isn't going to be able to provide for themselves. So there's a lot that goes into that. There's different scenarios where that might come into play. But, you know, one of the things that we're looking at is someone who is going to need um, government or be eligible for going to need um, government benefits somewhere along the line. So we want to think about ways that we can give them access to assets and ways to take care of themselves or help support them, but without doing anything that would, um, you know, damage their ability to keep receiving those government benefits. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just making sure that we're planning so that, you know, whoever is the support person for this person, the financial support person for this person, when they're no longer around to be that financial support person, where is this person still going to get that support from? Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, it doesn't really necessarily apply to a big swath of the population, but there's enough people in there where the specialty is very important. And a lot of people don't give that much thought, like, you know, their other relatives or something take care of them or they'll handle it, which it may be yeah. the case, but a lot of times it's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, you know, you always hope that that will be the case and nothing about the planning we do would prevent that from happening. But, yeah. you know, even if those other relatives want to help, there's a lot of things those other relatives can do if they're not educated properly that would kick that person off yeah. of government benefits. And then, you know, that's that's not what we want. So we want to make yeah. sure that doesn't happen. Okay, so let's switch a little to another topic a little bit. So I'm sure since the pandemic, the probate process seems to be even more drawn out and lengthy than it was pre-pandemic. 
So how, how are you helping clients kind of guide them through that arduous time? I mean, I know there's things you can do in advance to try to not go through probate or to make it much more clean, but for people that haven't done that and have to go through it, what are, what are you seeing that works well, well to help guide them through that? Yeah. So it's really at this point, um, just a, it's, it's a process of staying on the court um, because the court is backed up so yet from, from COVID. And so, you know, it's a matter of uh, having the people, you know, there to reach out to the court, you know, sometimes on a weekly, you know, every other day kind of basis to get things going and uh, make sure things are, are happening. And then, you know, the other part of that is just really kind of counseling in a way that is also kind of pushing the clients to, to move forward because a lot of these, you know, this is a very emotional time for people. And so making some of the decisions that need to be made or have to be made, um, that's hard. And so you need somebody in your corner that's going to, you know, compassionately push you along in that way. And that's what we try to do for our probate clients. Okay. And I think that kind of leads into my other question. I was reading some of your blog stuff and it, it got one of the topics that you did got me to thinking. So a lot of times people say, well, I don't want to go through all that estate stuff. You got to go meet with the attorney like five times and I got to fill out these forms and there's a cost and got to think about things that I want to do. So on the flip side of that, I mean, there you talk about a true cost of not planning, right? Of not doing anything. So maybe speak to that a little bit, which, you know, that's often way more negative than doing the planning in advance. Yeah. Yeah. So the true cost of not planning can be pretty severe. I mean, you know, you, everyone likes to think, Oh, I hope, you know, my family members, if something happens to me, everybody's going to come together and everybody's going to work together to make sure this goes as smoothly as possible. But a lot of times that doesn't happen. Um, So if we've got a situation where more than one person wants to step forward and handle the probate matter, we're really in trouble and we're really, it's going to cost us a lot and it's going to cost us a lot of not just money, but a lot of time. Or if we're in a situation where people want to fight about, you know, distributions or who gets what or things like that, then man, we can really see this cost skyrocket. And it's not just cost of money and cost of time. The biggest cost that I see is the cost of relationships. So I know for me, the last thing I want when I pass away is for the people I love to, you know, have irreparable damage done to to their relationships. I want them to come together and strengthen their relationships when I'm not there to support them. And unfortunately, all too often, the cost of planning is that family members, they do do irreparable damage to their relationships with one another. Yeah, right. Too many sad stories about that. That's for sure. Yeah. They even get into the news and make movies out of them. Okay. So you've also created this, um, something called the Kids Protection Plan. So why don't you tell me more about that, how it works? um, What's the big benefits to the parents and the guardians? Yeah. So the Kids Protection Plan is really something that if anyone who is like me and they have ever felt this anxiety of, okay, my husband and I are out for date night. What happens if I don't come home? What happens if we don't come home to our kids? And so what happens is actually kind of a pretty scary story. So here in Florida, we have what's called the Department of Children and Families. So that's DCF. So my 
thinking through this is if I don't come home at night, what happens is babysitter, you know, she calls and calls. She can't get a hold of anybody. Um, you know, she may have to call the authorities and say, we can't find her. Was she in an accident? You know, we need to figure this out. She would probably call some of my family members and they're doing that same kind of thing. But ultimately, a police officer is probably going to show up at my house at some point, try to take some information down about me and my husband. And when that happens, um, the police officer is going to say, OK, well, are there who is supposed to have legal custody of this of these kids? And for most people that there is no answer to that question because there are no documents in place that say if something happens to me who is going to be a short-term guardian and so what happens is those children have to be taken into DCF until um, someone from the family can come forward and fill out the proper paperwork and do the things that have to be done so that the kids can be uh, released to that person and so the kids protection plan is designed to make sure that doesn't happen because we nominate what's called short-term guardians and um, we make sure that those short-term guardian documents are able to be found in someone's home we get we put id cards in parents pockets so if something happens to them um, somebody finding them knows who to call and what to say we make sure the babysitters have copies of all of that and really you know educate parents about the need to provide those short-term guardians Okay, that's great. And I, I can't imagine, um, you know, the number of people that could benefit from that that are going out for date night and they're <laughs> naked in that regard. Okay. So yep. and I, you did, you, I think, did you create a separate website for that? Or is that part of your uh, website? Yeah, you can find it by going to my website, but there is a there is a separate website for that as well. So it's, it's called Kids Protection Plan, right? If they Googled that? Yeah, Kids Protection okay. Plan. Okay, yep. awesome. Now, this is, I saw this on your uh, blog as well. And I wanted to, I never even thought about this until I read it on there. Maybe you could just kind of on a high level, give us a, a feel for what happens, but you pass away. Uh, you're no longer on this earth. What happens to your digital accounts, your social media stuff? Does, uh, yeah. does, does it all just uh, go on in perpetual? Do, yeah. do some of them fall off and, you know, they, they, after a while they're inactive and they just go away. So what happens there? Yeah, so it all depends on what service we're talking about because what we found out is is that every sort of service provider, so, you know, you're thinking like your Facebook account, your Twitter account, all those things, they all have different rules about what's going to happen to your account. So some of them go on in perpetuity. Some of them, um, once, you know, some if if someone notifies Twitter, for example, that you've passed away, some of those immediately get shut down. Some of them are completely erased. So, you know, you may have things on there that you would want your family members to remember. And some of them aren't completely erased and we can do some different things with. But um, it's a, you know, these days we spend a lot of time online uh, doing whatever social media platforms um, that, you know, that each of us do. And so it's, it's a big, it's usually um, an area that people have kind of strong feelings about, about, you know what, hey, I'd like my Facebook account to be memorialized so yeah. that people can still go back and kind of see it and see what I did or, Hey, you know what? No, I want my Facebook account to be deleted. I don't want people on there making comments um, about prior posts. And so it's one of those things that we have to think about and plan for and put somebody in charge of that knows how to work with all that stuff. But I think that would involve trying to remember what my passwords are, right? (laughs) That would probably involve trying to uh, remember... Yeah, I was thinking about maybe I could get one of those services where you can set up all the posts in advance and then I would just have it repeat like the same hundred posts 
over and over and over again. So it seemed like I was alive, even if I wasn't around. But maybe we can come up with a with a social media protection plan after your death, after your death for that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So we're we're kind of getting close to the end. I was curious, like going forward for you, what do you see as your biggest opportunity for your practice going forward into the future? Yeah. So I think my biggest opportunity for my practice is just getting out there and educating people on the need to um, especially plan to protect their minor children. Uh, I talked, you know, we talked about kids protection plans, but even for like parents and grandparents that are thinking about leaving things to their kids or grandkids. Also, you know, doing that in a way that's not going to require, you know, a guardianship proceeding to be established over those kids um, mm-hmm. so that, you know, if something happens to parents, there's somebody's got to take care of them and somebody's going to take care of their assets. I see all too often people who come in and one parent has passed away or a grandparent has passed away and they've tried to leave money to the kids or, you know, minor kids or grandkids. And, and it causes a lot of problems when it's not done the right way because we got to right. go in set up a court proceeding right. and get the judge's approval to do everything that we do. And so uh, setting that up so that people are educated about that process and then educated about who they're selecting to be yeah. uh, taking care of their kids if something happens yeah. to them. That, I find that a lot of conversations around beneficiary designations when people want to name minors, you know, we have to pause and talk about the potential, you know, pros and cons of that and also the unintended consequences. They may think it's a a good thing, but um, a lot of times it makes sense to wait until that that child is the age of majority before that money gets gets put over to them. Okay, yeah. well that's a that's a topic for another conversation, maybe. Um, <laughs> all right, so now on the flip side of that, Renee, what do you kind of see as your biggest challenge in your business going forward? Maybe an obstacle that you want to overcome. Yeah, so I guess one of the big obstacles right now, especially given the you know the the economic situation that we're all in, is um, educating people about the importance of of actually making time to do this and mm. and planning financially so that you're you're able to do this um, because it's one of those things that it's not a very fun topic to think about, right? What happens to me? What happens to the people I love and all the things I have when I'm not around anymore? And so people tend to to put it off and um, say one day that's something I'm going to get to. Uh, so it's really just educating people about the importance of, of planning to do that sooner rather than later. Okay. All right. Great. And if people want to learn more about you or contact you, what is, what, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So the best way to do that is just to uh, go to my website. If you do that, you'll find all my contact information. And so that's at DeckerLegacy.com. Okay. And Decker spelled D-E-C-K-E-R. Yep. Right? That's right. Okay. Yep. All right. Fantastic. Well, listen, Renee, I want to thank you for being here with me today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on and I enjoyed the time that we spent together. Thank and you very I, much for having me. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we're hoping to bring the financial of confidence of people to another level one show at a time. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Be well, take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks again, Renee. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.